Hello, boys and girls. It's me, Ryan Lichten. I'm joined by... Parks Miller. And this is another episode of Culture Dumps. Welcome to the show. Today, our Culture Dump is Barney the Dinosaur. Now, why are we considering one of the most legendary and successful children's shows of all time to be a dump? Well... We had trouble with that ourselves, but <laughs> by the end of the episode, we might explain it a, a little better, but also, you know, the, the scale of what is a dump and what isn't is vast, and there's many nooks and crannies of dumpdom, and this is, uh, <laughs> this is just one that, that we decided to do it, but I guess in, in short, you know, there's the whole thing with Barney, like the death of a child icon, you know, the, these these people or these characters come into your life at such a young age, they kind of form you in your most, you know, in your formative years. And then that's, that's it. Then they go away and then it's the next generation star. So instantly it's built in that the fan base is going to outgrow the character. And then eventually time will pass over and you need a different character to appeal to children. Um, Also, you know, there's the whole thing that the man that was in the Barney suit is a tantric sex therapist, Mm, but that's the big one. That's (laughs) that, that is the one. Uh, and this, this is going to be a, a, a short but sweet episode, but we have some, some nice treats for you. But we have to get into the brief history of child television. With the invention of television in 1927 came an almost two-decade search for the perfect at-home entertainment appliance. The very first sale of a television was in 1946, and the world was never the same. There has always been a market for children's television, as there has always been children. Children's television shows, for the most part, feature either animated or puppet characters, with human characters included throughout. Many of the most famous icons of children's television were fictitious characters like Bozo the Clown or Howdy Doody. Now, the initial intent for children's television was to sell toys. Most shows were written in order to push products to the hordes of children born in a post-World War II America. The onslaught of advertising was curbed in 1973 after the organization Action for Children's Television persuaded the National Association of Broadcasters to limit commercials to 12 minutes per children's television shows. See, but when I was a kid, you waited for the commercials, almost like going to a movie to see the preview, because you wanted to see all the toys. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, it's a very brilliant thing to do. You make a commercial for some noob toy and you make it seem like an action movie and you're a kid right. and you're just like, I want that. Right. It's and also your parents like parents have to deal with like, oh, they want that. They want this thing. Yeah. They want the bike. They want the Legos. They want the. And I was fairly spoiled when I was a kid. I had I had quite a bit of uh, all, all the good stuff. But there's always, you know, you can have everything you want. But the one thing that you don't have, for instance, you always want more. You always want the one thing like. Yeah. Uh, uh, the movie Aladdin, I remember Jafar, the villain, had like a toy that was his cane. Mm-hmm. And it was the one fucking thing I never had. And oh, I, yeah. I just wanted that so bad. But you would see these commercials and eventually it got to the point where parents were so sick of their kids asking for shit that, yeah, uh, basically an organization was created to curb the ads in children's TV. Jafar had it pretty good. He he seemed like a pretty <laughs> cool villain, you know? A lot of the villains. Hades, another one. I mean, we're, get, we're getting onto a Disney path now uh, where we are uh, where we're trying to land is so far astray from Disney. But the limit on commercials was not the only thing that the Action for Children's Television wanted to change. They also pushed for more educational programming. Education had always been a theme of children's shows if you could wade through the onslaught of advertisements. In 1968, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood airs and changes the landscape of children's television seemingly forever until just a year later in 1969 when Sesame Street debuted. I'm definitely team Mr. Rogers. Well, I mean, 
I remember watching both of those and I mean they're both great and I mean they have a lot of substance to them you know they're they're kind of like it's like adults are speaking to children right so right so with that they're kind of you know there is sort of like not moral but like sort of like lessons or like you kind of pick up on like greater things about maybe like you know how to act or like sort of like be kind yeah of like how a to ni- a, a general how to be a normal human yeah like nicer right it's important it's important to be spoken to like an adult when you're a kid and that's what those shows did uh for a couple different reasons uh sesame street you know for instance it included popular celebrity guests and the signature humor of jim henson's muppets with the cast of real children acting alongside puppets audiences were awestruck and adults were able to enjoy the show as well it was considered a hip new direction for children's programming Throughout the 70s and 80s, there was an explosion of new children's shows. As TV sets became more affordable, many families were able to watch different shows simultaneously, and programmers often had blocks of children's programming when they knew the most children would be able to watch, hence Saturday morning cartoons. Right. But again, even cartoons is different because it's like purely like the entertainment of it, you know? Right. And I mean, you know, as a kid, I didn't even realize you know, the time frame, like you're a kid, you don't know that like, oh, this show is from the 60s or the 70s. Yeah, it's just there. So I mean, that's why when you're a kid, you can watch Nick at Night and be like, I like the monkeys. Right, yeah. right. But it's like both Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers are both were already for us in the 90s. They were already like legacy shows where like they, right. at but that they point, still held up. Yeah. And, and they're still kind of known. Like I would probably guess that like kids probably depending on the parents like kids would probably still might be watching Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers well yeah it's still on I mean Mr. Rogers just had a movie made about him starring Tom Hanks yeah yeah and And, that documentary and the documentary which I can't watch because I'll I'll, I don't have a life vest for all the tears I heard it was a tearjerker yeah but I guess I wonder how many parents are like yeah, there, there isn't quite the Barney legacy. I don't know if parents are like showing their kids Barney. Probably a lot less. Well, and there's a reason for that, because one of the things that most of those early shows for kids had in common was that a majority of the shows could be enjoyed by audiences of any age. The reason being that most parents had to watch the shows with their children. So there would be Latin, you know, kind of adult humor under the guise. I mean, like right. modern day examples of this would be like SpongeBob, for instance. Right. There's tons of stuff in there mm-hmm. that adults can watch and be like, oh, like the kid right. didn't get that, but I certainly did. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the thing and it's because yeah like you know if the kids have to watch the tv obviously at the time there was only one television set so the show had to be at least semi-enjoyable for anyone watching it but that all changes with the introduction of barney the dinosaur yeah oh yeah So in 1988, Barney the Dinosaur was introduced in a series of straight-to-home video releases called Barney and the Backyard Gang, which featured a big purple dinosaur named Barney who would go on adventures, sing songs, and learn lessons along with his gang of real-life child friends and the host, actress Sandy Duncan. Barney was created by Cheryl Leach in Dallas, Texas, when she realized her son had outgrown his favorite tapes and characters and wanted to create something just for toddlers. What started as a quest to create a new toy, she eventually hired a film crew known for making child-centric videos that sounds so not what we're talking about, but videos for children, uh, and had three videos made. Now, the original ideas for Barney, it was always going to be a, a dinosaur because her, her kid was obsessed with dinosaurs. It's a big little kid thing, like trains yeah. and dinosaurs. Yeah, it's yeah astronauts, throw that in there. Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah, but dinosaurs is always a big one. It's because they're... Uh, 
they're not real, uh, as a Christian scientist <laughs> would say. Make, no. Absolute make believe. Yeah, absolutely. Just Aliens like Barney. And yeah, one thing on Barney and real dinosaurs have in common. <laughs> yeah, no, but but, but it was the, a T Rex, right? I think he's, it's just like because they make cool T-Rex. toys. The right. Dinosaurs turn into cool toys, and and kids like that stuff. And also, it's just like a lot of picture books. Dinosaurs are just a great way into a child's heart. And and I mean, and again, I think like the most the like big entry point is like a t-rex type of thing it's like as a kid it's like the it's kind of the biggest baddest yeah. of the dino so making, dino nuggets making like a cute t-rex is like a that's a good idea right exactly it's like a teddy bear like a like that you could feel uh not so lame hugging you know purple dinosaur way cooler uh also uh, it's interesting to note that the original name ideas for barney were cosby the dinosaur and mm. danny the dinosaur <laughs> barney oh, danny danny the dino yeah danny the dino is all right but, but barney, barney is good. timeless so in 1991 connecticut public television executive larry rifkin not to be confused with serial killer joel rifkin rented one of the barney videos for his daughter who was mesmerized by the sing-along songs the cast of big fluffy dinosaurs and the relatability of the real children in the cast wait but that confusion, a Larry Rifkin or Joel Rifkin, for, for your yourself only to not confuse him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ryan, make Every, sure you don't. Everyone, yeah, everyone like else was not thinking that. But <laughs> there might have been. You had I to mean, make sure you didn't go on a there's tangent. A, there's a Seinfeld episode where they mentioned Joel Rifkin. You know, he's 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 uh, he's out there in the true crime ethos. You know, uh, so after <laughs> after sending the idea up the chain of command, the storyline was revamped, and in 1992, Barney and Friends made its debut on CPTV. Now, the whole reason why Barney even got picked up, because when you watch it, yes, it's something made for toddlers. As a TV executive, you really have to have kind of the foresight to know that this is going to be big, because as a grown-up, folks, it is unbearable watching this shit. Like, I tried for this. I really, I was like, oh, I'll watch a couple episodes of Barney. Dude, I couldn't. I couldn't. Right. It, because it because it really is geared towards such a young crowd whereas Babies. like the the rogers mr rogers and sesame street like you said you could probably even go back and be like oh like that's cool that that's what they were the message was you know because of having sort of the more adult you know right, undertone yeah. or trying to teach a lesson but yeah barney it's it, i mean it's like teletubbies which we don't really won't talk about but it kind of like paved the way for that yeah where when you watch it you're just like i mean what am i doing i can't yeah. your brain you're just like <laughs> what the fuck this is, is this? too much kid stuff well and that that's some of the criticism that barney got is that it was too dumbed down you know like that there wasn't really any benefit to a child watching it whereas you know sesame street you know they'll teach you how to count and they do right. that stuff throughout barney too and teach you the difference between colors but for the most part it's social skills that you're taught uh but we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that later um but rifkin you know of cp TV, he thought that Barney was a great character because he felt he was less neurotic than Big Bird. He thought Big Bird had too many adult things going on with him, whereas Barney was more simplistic. Anyone, any little kid could get behind Barney and, and not like question themselves yeah. or any. I, I don't know, neurotic. Like, yeah, that's. What, I mean, I, maybe because like they it's, were it's like Big Bird, not like, like Woody living, Allen. They're living in like. New York City, I guess. So it's kind of like <laughs> a little rougher. How to be a New Yorker, like dealing with stress and problems. Yeah, and people living in dumpsters, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shit like that. So at, at first, PBS re- only uh, funded thirty episodes. They refused to do anything past thirty episodes. They didn't think it was going to last. It was a flash in a pan. But after several letters from CPTV executives, as well as letters from members of the Barney fan club, they decided to fund the project indefinitely, or until it reached a point where it just commercially wasn't viable to right. keep 
keep on the air. So Barney and Friends was filmed in small studios in Texas until the early 2000s, later on moving to Universal Studios and a couple others, but that's kind of when Barney starts fizzling out. Now, the show itself followed a simple format. The group of kids are involved in an activity that usually has to do with the theme of the episode. After wishing for Barney to appear, a plush doll version of Barney grows into a real-life purple dinosaur, and lessons are learned, songs are sung, and then Barney returns to his plush form unbeknownst to any grown-ups. And that's how mm. every episode goes until eventually there's a, a very special episode when one of the parents, you know, runs into Barney and the jig is up and now Barney can just be around anyone. Right. That's uh, like a classic, like, children's movie theme. The the, the Toy Story. Believe, yeah, yeah, Toy Story. Like, it's just the, the kids' world, their, their imagination. So right. I mean, we should give, you know, imagination... Gets a, gets imagination a is imagination. the biggest part. Imagination is the biggest right, part of this right. episode. And also, it, going back to the advertising a toy thing, I mean, Barney dolls were fucking huge. All Barney merch was enormous. Yeah. And it's because if you got a plush Barney, you might have the one that would turn into a real Ooh. Barney in the heads of the kid. <laughs> you know? Now, the Barney theme song is based on the melody of Yankee Doodle, and the signature closing song, I Love You, was based on Barney's favorite song, This Old Man. So real quick, let's go ahead and listen to the theme song, just a snippet of it. Barney is a dinosaur from our imagination and when he's tall he's what we call a dinosaur sensation. And now let's listen to the closing song. These again were the two songs that were played in every episode. This is the closing signature song, I Love You. I love you You love me we're a happy family with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me too? Classic jam. Cla yeah, still Classic, slaps, as yeah. you said when, uh, when we were watching the, uh, this earlier. The Barney theme, it's like... I don't remember exactly when the Gullah Gullah show. Oh, yeah. But kind of having like those plinky sort of percussion, like the it has like that vaguely like sort of Caribbean islandy. Right. We've vibe actually actually on our on our last uh, series, Podcast 99, we've mentioned Gullah Gullah Island. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it keeps coming up. It I guess it's like maybe it's that world music thing we were talking about where it's like just have like sort of like a lot of different instrument sounding so it's for yeah. the world so it's you know trying and to if it's made out of like appeal. wood or shells yes, or like yeah. rocks <laughs> like the more like right like you can get the better but the i love you song though i mean that probably had to have been a game changer in, in some way well it was <laughs> i mean because a a song like that again you're holding your plush barney at home you're watching it on the screen that barney looks like the one that you see you know because that's yeah. the thing with toys like when you get a gi joe toy it's not like a big tall commando it's a little tiny action figure right, when you right. get like any other toy it's not what it is in the show per se you right, know right. for the most part barney is you're buying barney from the show so you know you sit there and you felt loved you know and i can imagine if you were a kid that you know maybe you're being babysat by the tv a little bit maybe you're a little lonely i'm sure that was a huge huge deal and left a lasting impact oh the other big one was the cleanup song oh yeah and that one actually that's a cheap shot the cleanup song probably had the biggest effect because like <laughs> sometimes if like I'm cleaning up like a big mess. Like that song might pop up in my head. 
you know. Uh, go for it. So, so, the clean up, clean up, everybody. <laughs> I'm just picturing Parks like after a party, like there's beer cans everywhere. <laughs> you got like half a fucking reburn in your mouth. Clean, like, up, clean up, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there was also several other characters that would join Barney and friends on their adventures. This included primarily a three-year-old green triceratops named Baby Bop, a seven-year-old yellow protoceratops named BJ, and a six-year-old orange hadrosaur named Riff. Now, Baby Bop was originally two years old, but turned three in another very special episode entitled Look at Me, I'm Three, where she turned three. Big, big deal. And that's like the age demographic. Like, yeah. if you were six and older, uh -huh. you weren't watching Barney. And that's kind of a thing because, like, if you're six to 13, you could get into cartoons at, or, like, that's when you would start getting into, like, Star Wars or or, or other grown stuff, right, you know right. what I mean? Or things that were aimed towards the gender, especially in, like, 80s and 90s, the boy-girl separation and toys and cartoons yeah. was so relevant. But they they got older. Like, your characters yeah. and the interests that you would get into were older things. Mm -hmm. Barney was really just for that. Pocket. Yeah, there was a distinct, like, I most people I would venture at, or at least for me, it's just, like, you're into Barney, like you said, and then at some point you get like you just turn you have one birthday and that's it. And then you're just like, that is so not cool. Like yeah. Barney is the lamest thing I can. And no that's got to be, be like heartbreaking for parents. Like the day that your kid doesn't like Barney anymore. Like you spend three years. Everything's Barney. Then one day it's just not cool. And you're like the parent. You're like, well, I thought Barney was so cool. <laughs> so while each character was based on a dinosaur, they didn't really have any dino characteristics. For instance, Barney, who is a carnivorous Tyrannosaurus Rex, mostly ate vegetables, fruits, and his favorite food of all, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Oh so, <laughs> but again, it's like, I would love Jurassic Park with Barney instead. Right, it's right. It's like, where's the peanut butter and jelly? And they're like, ah! Exactly. Yeah, but it's, again, it is brilliant to, like, to take the thing that, the form, I'm telling you, at least for me, for a kid, like the form of the T-Rex, you're like, yeah, that's what it that, is. That rings true in your head. And you're like, that's <laughs> that's a safe zone for me. That's some shit I can enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, T-Rex, I could get into this right. shit as I like, lean back with my bottle. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh fuck yeah, dude, turn on that shit, mom. Fuck it, the sippy cup. Yeah, I'm like, bring me my fucking smokes. I'm a baby. That's how I talked when I was a kid. Uh, so Barney and Friends was definitely intended to be educational, but due to the young age of the target audience, the episodes generally included simple lessons about self-esteem, sharing, friendship, and balls. When you have a ball, when you have a ball, you have the world's greatest toy of all. Because balls are for girls, balls are for girls, and balls are for boys. So many kids around the world are playing with these toys. Oh, there are big ones, there are small ones. Yeah, that <laughs> that was a. This is why it's not. This, a, this is what you listen to culture not, dumps for. You're not supposed to, as an adult, you know. They're, they're, <laughs> you know, hey, you know, Ryan, balls are fun, and okay? they are the most perfect toy of all. And they are, are for, for boys, girls. and they are for boys, and purple dinosaurs. Balls, balls, balls. Come on, bouncy balls, basketballs. Rubber balls, big balls, small balls. Yes, just like the song said, yellow balls, blue balls. Uh, so anyways, <laughs> throughout the show's run, there were several reoccurring characters as well, such as Mother Goose, Stella the Storyteller, and my favorite, Professor Tinkerputt. 
Now, Professor Tinkerputt was kind of a villain. He lived on an island and invented the coolest toys ever, but he wouldn't share them with anyone until Barney and the Backyard Gang, or Barney and Friends, came along, and they showed him the joy of sharing, so he invented special toys where they could all enjoy. Very, very, again, another special episode. I can't stress it enough. Lots of special episodes. But yes, Professor Tinkerputt uh, would have been a villain in the Barney universe for lack of a better word that's good it's a, instilling a, an anti-intellectualism a distrust of uh, academia <laughs> and a, yeah and, very early on yeah he doesn't want to share he's a capitalist yeah too. <laughs> damn so, <laughs> professor tinkerpot barney is a uh, deep is just a socialist fantasy yeah <laughs> yeah i love you yeah. you Every, love me everyone do their share yeah clean yeah. up yeah sure it's gonna work yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Barney is uh, much, much more devious than we than we once thought. So after nine specials, some of which were actually feature length films and fifteen daytime Emmy nominations, including one win, Barney and Friends aired its final episode in two thousand nine. The show is still in syndication today, and in 2017, it was announced that a new Barney movie was in the works, but nothing else has surfaced from that. The show has left a lasting legacy on those who were lucky enough to grow up with it. However, in retrospect, some people believe that the show was not only void of any educational value, but also hindered the development of those who did watch it. Some television critics have gone as far as to say that Barney and Friends is responsible for the sense of entitlement that has become a major characteristic of the millennial generation, claiming that Barney never addressed any of the unavoidable negative aspects of life. Hmm. Like, why do you want Barney to be... Why can't you just let a three-year-old watch yeah, this fucking purple gonna, dinosaur why do you want someone to die or talk about being sad like i don't yeah and and i'll say one thing we do at culture dumps and have done at podcast night is you, you know you try to take something from the past and you try to connect it to like is this why things are you know i've probably said is nickelback the reason that we had trump as a president you know right. maybe you know maybe i'll get enough drunk drinks to explain that one again but <laughs> it's like sometimes or you know like the american pie and the titcom and like what those effects are but sometimes it's like come it's a on stretch. because it's a stretch because it is a children's show and i mean like yeah i loved it and i don't know maybe i need to like do a a deep dive into to seeing that but it's just like it is just, it's just one show and also like this to say like to an entire generation of people like you know what you're fucked up it's because you all watched barney right yeah like what it's when like i was two yeah it's like the <laughs> avocados like millennials are buying avocados and that's why they can't afford like down payments on yeah. houses or something <laughs> yeah just so bonkers and off yeah. the wall but yeah it's it's there but there is kind of a thing with barney where yeah i mean really was there any value i mean yeah sure sharing is great and you know it's important to love yourself those are those are great lessons that are taught in virtually every other children's show all that's missing right. from barney is like smarts but i mean <laughs> like, but again you know? maybe it was like a you know a, a deep socialist agenda <laughs> and that's why we are where we are now the and backyard gang are, are actually a clandestine group of activists you know meeting uh you know on the playground with their purple dinosaur which is actually just a code word they're just purple berets yeah <laughs> um yeah, um, smoking cigarettes talking about the downfall of uh capitalism yeah and then like and then how much they love each other but now quickly did you ever watch that movie death to smoochie uh oh, like when it came out yeah that and, that was a good movie that i it came out i guess the early 2000s and it's like edward norton is sort of is a barney character he's like a right he's a children's mascot right. character it's a pretty and it kind of relates to sort of where we're getting dumpy with it in terms of like sort of the sleaziness because it's just this 
story, this movie about like all the really sleazy, like behind the scenes, yeah, like, and competitiveness right. in nature between. I think it's like what, like Rainbow Ray, or yeah. Or, Robin Williams plays like the the children's show that like gets t- booted by the Barney, right? Character. Yeah, and in the and the greatest part, I mean, if you guys haven't, and Death to Smoochie, by the way, was fucking tore up in. By, by the critics. I mean, yeah, it, it was not a popular a, movie because it, it, it was too dark. And I, I feel like people dark. went into it not expecting it to be like they thought it was going to be a, a Robin Williams children's show rivalry kind of daddy's home fucking goof troop d- type right. deal. And instead, it's like this super dark thing because the, the best part about the movie is that Edward Norton, who is the new guy, you know, the new character, really loves children and mm-hmm. is very, very earnest with it. Whereas the original character that all the kids loved, Robin Williams' character, fucking is just a slime ball. He's a maniac. And a maniac. Yeah, and I just love that shit. But speaking of the people behind the mask, let's get to the good stuff. This is the whole reason why we wanted to do Barney, and it's the whole reason why we just plowed through the you know the the history of one of the most beloved shows in child television history it's because we want to talk about david joiner now barney the dinosaur has always been made of three parts a person in the suit a person voicing the suit and imagination The voice of Barney has changed very little throughout the years. This is because from 1988 to 2000, there was basically only one voice actor. There were understudies and different voice actors for animated or live specials, but for the most part, the voice of Barney is the creation of Bob West. Now, just as important as the signature voice was the person actually in the dino suit. Again, there were several understudies, stand-ins, and live performers, but when you're talking about Barney and Friends proper, there is but one man in the suit. The whole reason why we're talking about this David Joyner. So it's not his voice, and you don't see his face. But so what? Did he just... He had the walk? He, you know, yes. He, he just... Okay. Once he got in that suit, he just knew how to move. Yeah, he knew how to shake that little butt. Shake that tail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Dude, just shaking that he big, just, juicy dino he, ass he in just my had face. A, he just had charisma. I'm still confused. Moving. <laughs> as, a, as a child, I knew that that big, juicy dino ass made me feel away, <laughs> and I'm feeling that way now. But no, it's like... I mean, he describes it as... I mean, being fairly difficult. And you can imagine, I mean, he'd be on set acting with the kids and he'd be listening to a playback of the vocals and he'd have to act along with it in this suit and, you know, control the mouth and all that stuff. It's a very complex thing. And the suit was huge. So he had to be very active, very fit in order to do the dancing and jump around and heel clicks and all the stuff that made Barney Barney. Now, Joyner wore the suit from 1991 to 2005. The original Barney was played by David Voss from 1988 to 1990, but Joyner is considered to be the Barney and is still sought out for interviews about his time as the purple dinosaur to this day. He is also sought out for interviews about his new profession, tantric massage and spiritual healing for women. Only for women. (laughs) Now, if you're not familiar with, with what tantra is or tantric sex or tantric massages, tantra, or in this case, tantric sex, is the practice of sexual meditation in order to focus mind and body connections. Generally, a tantric sex session lasts much longer than regular sex, sometimes taking hours, and this can be done alone or with a partner. For instance, Sting famously years ago did an interview about his tantric Mm -hmm. love life and claimed that they would have sex for up to seven hours. He's later disputed that and saying that it was taken out of context. But one thing's for sure, Sting is definitely fucking for at least two hours at a time. Sting is fucking longer than you are. Yes, (laughs) yes, Um, he is. But imagine by doing it alone. I think that... Was it the Sting 
comment that kind of led to like a tantric awareness in like pop culture. Yeah, like then there was the Bare Naked Ladies song where they talk about Sting. And then another culture dumps tie in the American Pie 2. Oh, that's right. One of the characters, he starts practicing. That's tantra. right. That's right. I think it did. I, it, I think it that seems Sting like a kind really of a became, late 90s thing to like, yeah. to just refer to it without actually knowing what the fuck well, it and is. Well, like Kama just, Sutra too, right, like became just, popular, like, or had like a resurgence. I mean, Kama Sutra really became popular in the 70s and like the swingers movement right. and like that sexual revolution, but had a resurgence, you know, and would be in bookshelves and stuff. Yeah. And of course, like, and it just seemed like it was like a bad, like a hokey pickup line to somehow like yeah, like, hey, bro, hey, let's go back and read the Kama Sutra together, <laughs> like some, <laughs> or like you just have it casually laying out on your coffee table, right. and you have someone over. Oh, let me just move this stuff. Yeah. I was just doing some reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one buys that. You're just a creepy guy with an old ancient sex book on your table. But if you're David Joyner, somehow. You're well, not. He, I mean, he you're, took you're it. He, well, because he took it as a, as a serious career. profession, and he claims that he had been practicing tantra since he was 20 years old. You know what I mean? Like he he went overseas several times to India and different parts of Asia and all, all these places to learn about white lotus, you know, tantra, which is I guess his little ex- area of expertise. And there's all sorts of different um, like different kinds of energies that you're dealing with in that, and it all has to do with your body and kind of like again like mind soul connections through sex though it's all it all comes down to sex which is why there's been some cross looks given at given to joiner because right. it's like oh you were the barney guy and now you're like offering sexual massages only for women like right but then again it's like first off he's not it's not barney it's not like barney's doing it you know he's not well, in the costume <laughs> this is doing true. it and also, didn't you say that he was because it's a, it's also like meditation, breathing exercise. And didn't you say that that helped him like be in the suit? Right. So know? so David Joyner did an interview uh, for a show called Out. I think it was a subsidiary of BET. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, he explains that, you know, on top of it. Yes, of course, being a, this big sexual energy thing, the, the meditation and the breathing methods that he learned really aided him in pulling himself together and raising his energy to keep up on set with this big suit on. Or if something was, you know, if something was happening in his life that was a stressor or something, he'd still have to go in and be Barney. You have to be Barney and, every day. And again, no one cares about your missed your the bills that you owe. Yeah. You got to be Barney. I'm just picturing him in there, like holding the, the, you know, helmet on his side. Like guys, like, no, I really got to get home. My grandma's sick. Oh, your grandma's sick. What about all the fucking little kids <laughs> watching you at home right now? You think they're not sick? Yeah. It's like, but it, it, it is kind of interesting. Cause it reminds me of like when Jim Carrey was in the Grinch and he had to get trained by Navy right. seals to learn how to like deal with the pressure of having makeup put on you for eight hours and having to hold still yeah. and having to not have a panic attack. I uh, yeah. Mean, I plays into that yeah i bet there could definitely be uh it could incite some claustrophobia to be in there right and and then you, it's kind of like the the barneys and the chewbaccas and the mascots it's it's truly like an un uh you know like a a thankless job in a way an unsung hero of entertainment i totally because, agree because you have to be a human inside of it but no one knows who the fuck no you are. But once you, darth vader yeah yeah but then you still have to deliver as that thing and you're just gotta be sweating yeah. all the time yeah and no one and no one really believes you i mean now it's different i mean he still wears a barney watch and he does talks and stuff and he also went on to be another character uh hip-hop harry uh which was a, another 
kids show it wasn't nearly as big but you know still interesting that that continued to be his profession but again he started this other thing it's called Tantra Harmony his website tantraharmony.com mm-hmm. yeah. you can go check it out and uh, book him for a session if you're a lady uh, but you know while his intentions do seem pure and he does cite decades of experience the whole thing comes off a little odd so in order to exacerbate mm, how boring. odd this is, we actually have Barney the Dinosaur in the studio, and he's going to be reading excerpts right now from David Joyner's Tantra Harmony website. Connecting your mind, body, and spirit together as one in perfect harmony. Achieving a higher and more blissful state of awareness to your sexuality and who you are as a spiritual being. Empowering your spiritual goddess energy within. So it, it does seem to be all about spirituality. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm personally feeling more connected to my own sexual goddess within just through hearing Barney discuss this. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that was the mission statement. I want to know what exactly does a, a Tantra massage entail? Uh, Barney, could, could you tell us what, what, what walk us through a session, if you will? I will begin by having you lay down on your stomach first. Beginning with your feet first, I will gently massage you with warm aromatic oil. Nothing will escape attention. Your energy flow is stimulated and senses awakened as your body's sensitivity increases. You will feel relaxed, yet wide awake. You will be coached to breathe properly as you sink into a yet deeper level of relaxation and spiritual enlightenment. In this very loving ceremony, you will be completely nurtured and pampered, giving you a feeling of comfort and sense of well-being as your sacred goddess energy continues to soar higher and higher. Sexy. Well, if you want to book an appointment for uh, a massage from the guy who was in the Barney suit that will apparently take you to new levels of spirituality and sexuality and will unleash the goddess within, you can reach him on TantraHarmony.com. Yeah. No, we were not paid to say that. And uh, <laughs> uh, I also would like to thank um, my brother, Connor Lichten, for uh, lending his Barney voice talents. That was not the real Barney. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Didn't want to get you too excited there. But now, what- He doesn't mention you know, that he's Barney. So I'm no. gonna, I think he's okay. No, but if you go to his media section on his website, it's like all of his interviews are like me discussing Barney and Tantra. Like it's like you're not gonna have that guy on your show and not talk about being the biggest child icon it's of the 1990s. Too, yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so all in all, you know what what does this all mean? I guess you know all in all, there is really nothing negative to say about Joyner or Barney. We decided to dive into Barney because of the nostalgia it brings up for us and for anyone who grew up with the purple dinosaur. The personal lives of the stars of children's TV shows will always fascinate, and the more adult their lives seem, the more we want something devious to be going on. Why is that? Why mm-hmm. do we want that fall from you, grace so yeah, hard? Yeah, everyone wants it. And, and, you know, I think even though it might be weird, at least for what we know, this isn't like a scandal. You no, know? it's he's, not a scandal. Not, he has a professional business, and he means well. Wrong. It's just uh, you can't you can't say one without the other. Yes, exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. yes, to to put Barney the purple dinosaur and tantric sex in the same sentence, it w- most people would say, "Whoa, you're a pervert." But those they belong together in this the is same bas- sentence. Basically, at culture dumps, you know, this is this is an icebreaker for you. The next time you feel comfortable uh, going out and meeting new people, you can be like, "Did you know that uh, yeah. Barney?" <laughs> 
and that's what yeah. we're here for. That's Pick all we did. It we only did it because of the tantrum. Oh, that's going to be a squirt. The, the the number one things you can learn from culture dumps that uh, you can use to pick up a date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, hell, it, it works for me. Impress your boss. Who knows? I mean, just oh, boss. Holiday, by, by uh, the way, Thanksgiving uh, talk. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the holiday party. So uh, you know, I don't know if you guys knew this. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, what what is the dump here? The dump here isn't Barney. The dump for me is the age old desire for something pure to be desecrated, much like with Blue's Clues. The guy who played the host of Blue's Clues, Steve, was plagued with rumors about why he left the show. Everything yeah, from I drug addiction yeah. to arrest to, mm-hmm. you know, he molested kids, all this terrible shit. But the reality was he was just losing his hair and he didn't want to be seen as an aging kids TV star, which is totally admirable. You know, but we but you want this fall from grace from the most innocent people, which is why, like, for instance, when the pastor Ted Haggard got busted, that was like the best thing ever for you know people like me, because you have something so seemingly pure, so good, such a thing to look up to, and then it falls and it just makes you feel better. And society is so fucked up like that, especially right. here in America. Yeah. So it's like that to me is the dump. It's this, it's it's not Barney and it's not it's not even that David Joyner is a tantric sex therapist. That those aren't dumpable to me. The dump is that you want it to be so bad. You want something fucked right, up to happen right. here so badly. And why do we want? Why do we want that? Who was the big one? Jimmy Seville, right? Oh, well, the that's that's like yeah. And that's I mean, what he, everyone wants. He did what? The old gray whistle test, right? Was that but his he had show? A, he might have or because Jimmy Top Seville, of the Pops, but he had Top a kids Pops, show yeah. too. There was a kids thing uh, okay. as well, so he was around children a lot. Okay, yeah, and yes, he was That's famous your, for having like underage brothels. And he was, and he was like the Dick Glitter. Clark he was of the UK. With Glitter, yeah, he was friends also, with Gary Glitter. So that's like that. He was also friends with the Beatles, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what you want, but you don't quite get it. But you get Barney. Yeah, you get Barney. And but also, I will say that now I don't know a ton about like what exactly are like toddler aim shows now but then it just seems like cartoons are like really big so like the costume i know that there was that one show where the guy kind of had the 50s pompadour and i'm completely blanking on the name oh, but oh uh, it just um, seems like so specific. like the wig uh is it the wiggles no it cool? was something else though it, there yeah there, of, there's still some live action it. stuff and there is a new blues clues as well yeah but it's it, you know what still... it is if you animate the show you don't have to worry about your characters fucking up or becoming right. a tantric sex therapist right. or fucking getting too old or yeah. having a drug scandal or yeah. doing something totally normal for an adult to do like getting drunk the or costume something. is just like kind of like a puppet kind of like a old school theater thing right. to wear like a full costume because it used to be really expensive to animate now it's way cheaper and right. there's so much less risk mm-hmm. so barney was kind of the last like mega star to not really be a real thing <laughs> right right you know what i mean but still have an actual physical presence that you could reach out and touch that like human beings are responsible for the reputation of mm-hmm. and i guess to me that's the dump i don't know why we want our childhood friends and heroes to fail so bad but we do and that is why Barney is a culture dump to me. So if you want to suggest a culture dump to us, send us an email over at culturedumps at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at culturedumps. If you haven't, check out our other show, Podcast 99. And if you're hearing this on the Podcast 99 channel, subscribe over to Culture Dumps. For exclusive content that you can only get on our Patreon, you must subscribe to the Patreon at patreon.com slash culturedumps. I'm Ryan Lichten. And I'm Parks Miller. This has been Culture Dumps. It is time for women to understand their true worth and the true essence they have to offer to the world. 
the true spirit of a woman that lies within must now take its true and rightful place and shine its light for all to see.